Hi, this is Chris Kipp, lead pastor of Renaissance Church in Richmond, Texas. Thank you for streaming or downloading this podcast today. I hope this resource blesses you. If you haven't joined us at a worship gathering or at a house church yet, we want you to come. You can find all that information and more at rin-church.org. I pray that you are encouraged today by the proclamation of God's word. If you have a copy of the scriptures, go ahead and turn to Mark 10. We're going to be looking at verses 17 through 31, 17 through 31. And I am excited for us to be looking at this today. This is, um, this is commonly known as the story about the rich young ruler. Um, and I'm only one of those things. I am young. That's about it. That's where the connection stops. I am not rich. I'm a school teacher. And uh, I don't rule anything. I barely have control of my own life half the time. So that's where we're at. Uh, but this is the story of the rich young ruler. And I think in here... Um, I definitely know that God wants to do something, something today because the songs that we're singing are going to go perfectly along with what we're talking about today. Um, so if everybody is at Mark 10, verses 17 through 31, I'm just going to go ahead and read these through. And it says, as he being Jesus was setting out on a journey, a man ran up, knelt down before him and asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus asked him. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and your mother. And the man said to him, Teacher, I have kept all of these from my youth. And looking at him, Jesus loved him and said to him, You lack one thing. Go, sell all that you have, give to the poor, and you will have a treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. But the man was dismayed by this demand, and he went away grieving because he had many possessions. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How hard is it for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God? And the disciples were astonished at his words, and again Jesus said to them, Children, how hard is it to enter the kingdom of God? It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And they were even more astonished, saying to one another, then who can be saved? Looking at them, Jesus said, with man it is impossible, but not with God, because all things are possible with God. And Peter began to tell him, look, we have left everything and followed you. Truly I tell you, Jesus said, there is no one who has left who has left house or brothers or sisters or mothers or fathers or children or fields for my sake and for the sake of the gospel, who will not receive a hundred times more now at this time, houses and brothers, sisters and mothers and children and fields with persecutions and eternal life in the age to come. But many who are first will be last and the last first And this is the word of the Lord. And as I was looking through this, I wanted to set the scene with us because we've got this guy, right? He's rich, he's young, he has authority. By all of our accounts, he has the life. Like 
Of course, you want to be rich, you want to feel youthful, you want to have authority, you don't want anyone to bug you, you have, I have money to do whatever I want, you go and do this and I tell you to do it and you're going to do it and I'm young, I'm feeling good, right? So he's got this life that we live, but actually we're confronted with a problem because there's something really wrong with him. He's dying. And if we look on the inside, he's dying. Because in our eyes, this is a guy who has it all, right? He's the one everyone wants to be. You want to hang around with him. You're like, yes, I'm going out to dinner with him because he's going to pay for my meal. I don't have to pay for the goat. Like, it's great. Like, I don't have to pay for anything, right? He tells the servants to do all the stuff. It's fantastic. This is the guy that everyone wants to be. He's got the life that everyone thinks they want to have. But if you look at verse 17, he comes up to Jesus and says, hey, what do I have to do to inherit eternal life? And so the question is, why would a guy who has the life that we think we want come up to Jesus and ask, what must I do to actually have real life? Because the problem is, he might have the lifestyle we want, but he doesn't have the life that we need. And that lifestyle can't give us the life that we need. And so this man gets his answer from Jesus and he's crushed because his heart is consumed by something else. And a lot of times we say, well, his heart was consumed by money or greed, and that's true, right? His heart was consumed by this. But there's a key verse that we look at, verses 21 and 22. Looking at him, Jesus loved him and said to him, you lack one thing, go sell all that you have and give to the poor, and you will have a treasure in heaven, and then come and follow me. But the man was dismayed, and he went away grieving because he had a lot of possessions. And I think what the problem was and what we face today and why we need the gospel is that our heart is gripped somewhere else. And it's not necessarily in our money or in our time, but it's in our own comfort. And we're, I want to talk about the idolatry of comfort. We, and I think that's what this guy's problem was. He had this life and he knew that if he gave up this one thing, the rest of this comfortable life he had built was going to crumble. It was going to shatter. It was going to break. And he was so consumed with his own comfort that he wasn't willing to give it up to follow Jesus. And so what happens when we're obsessed with the idea of comfort is that it becomes an idol. And now, I'm not saying air conditioning is bad. I'm not saying you have to go home and sell your mattress or do that and then live on a yoga mat like I did in college for a few weeks. I'm not saying you have to do that, right? Jesus isn't going to say, oh, you only had five possessions? All right, come on into the kingdom of heaven, man. Like, that's, you're, you're golden. Right? I'm not saying we have to live like monks and sleep on stone floors and live in a temple or anything. I'm not, I'm not saying that, right? And I'm not saying that comfort is bad, but when comfort grips our heart, when this idea of, I want to be as comfortable as possible here, here right now, I want to be as comfortable as possible, when that idea grips our heart, that's when we lose Jesus. And what happens in the idolatry of comfort is we actually idolize ourselves, because we're so consumed with making sure, well, I need to be as comfortable as possible. So God, I'm going to take you off your throne real quick, and I'm going to put myself 
in this position. And so I'm going to do all these things that I can to make myself as comfortable as possible, right? I'm going to do all these things that I can to make myself as comfortable as possible. And the idolatry of comfort comes down to the idolatry of the self, which is the human condition and why we need the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we're so consumed with having our treasure here, we push God off his throne in our hearts. And I think a lot of times what we do too is we mistake God's promise of salvation for a promise of comfort. And what I mean by that is we know that God has come to save us, he's come to deliver us, and he's come to rescue us from our sin and our death and our depravity but we also want it with the temperature at 75 degrees. We want it with the nice car that doesn't break down. We want it with the good looks. You want it with the social standing and the social status. You want it with the social media appearance. We start adding all this stuff on and saying, well, if God, you know, surely loves me, then I'm gonna be able to have all these things. I'm gonna live a comfortable life. And church, I need to break us of that illusion. We're not called to live comfortably. That's just how it is, right? In another story, Jesus is talking and he says, you know, foxes have dens, birds have trees. Everyone has a place except for the son of God, right? And essentially what he's saying there is there's a place for me, but it's not anything here. It's not anything here. And what Jesus teaches us in that moment is that when we make this stockpile, this treasure here on earth, like this rich young ruler did, we lose our eternal perspective. We lose the treasure in heaven. We're not focused on the treasure in heaven. And so our life becomes consumed with ourselves and ourselves and ourselves and ourselves until we become these self-indulgent people. we lose our eternal perspective. And Jesus tells us, don't store up these treasures here because this is all gonna go away, right? Don't store up these treasures here because this is all gonna rust. This is all gonna fade away, right? We live, I was actually freaking out about this this morning because our brains can't handle the concept of forever. I was freaking out. So like we live like this, like this is our life. It's like dust. It's literally nothing on like the cosmic scale of time. Like if I was to go all the way over to that wall and all the way over to that wall, like my point in life would be smaller than this. Like it's nothing. And through our sin, we become so engrossed in this because we've lost sight of where our treasure is. And we've put the idol of making sure our own comfort comes first. And what Jesus comes to do is he comes to battle that notion. <laughs> Thank God. He comes to battle this notion that this life is all that there is. And he says, no, 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 right? He says, go sell all that you have, give it away. So your heart is no longer consumed by it. And then instead of that, give me your heart. That's all that Jesus asked for, right? That's what he's asking for. 
When we idolize comfort, our own hearts are consumed with being as, well, comfortable as we possibly can be, right? And it's not just in materialism, which we'll talk about here in a little bit, but Jesus has come to, com- to combat our notion of comfort and to rid us of ourselves. When he came, he came to take his rightful place in our hearts as Lord and Savior, right? And he's come to combat this notion that I need to preserve me. He's come to combat this notion that Ben Cunningham needs to preserve all of Ben Cunningham, right? Because what happens is I'm gonna start accumulating things, whether it's monetary or not, I'm gonna start accumulating these things and then I'm gonna lose my heart because it's consumed by something else and it's not freely given to Jesus. And the gospel is meant to be uncomfortable and offensive. It's meant to be uncomfortable and offensive. It goes against this human idea that in, our, in the back of our minds, we're like, you know what? I'm a good person. I've done good things. I deserve everything in the world, right? Like, I deserve everything in the world. And the gospel actually says, actually, you deserve death. Like, that's, that's it. And you say, well, well I've, done, I've done this. I've given to the poor. I've given to charity. I was doing my taxes this weekend. You know, I was able to take that deduction off. Like, it's, you know, I'm, I'm golden. Like, I've given to charity. I've served. I've done X, Y, Z. Bible calls those filthy rags, right? That I would use to clean up my dog's throw up or whatever, right? And if I gave you that as a present, it's like, here's a fresh dish rag. You look at me and go, No. I don't want that. Like, that's, that's disgusting. And unfortunately, that's what all of our good deeds and our strivings and all that stuff is when we try to say, well, I've done, I've done X, Y, Z, and I've got it all laid out, and I've, I can show you how I'm a good person. And the gospel comes in the face of that and crushes it and says, no, no, no. We're really not. Because what happened way back when in the garden is we rebelled against the one who gives life and life abundantly, right? And in that rebellion, we split off and we were trapped in death. And what Jesus has come to do is rescue us from that death, rescue us from that idolatry of the self, idolatry of comfort, and rip us out of that into fresh life. I was, uh, I like to ride my bike as like everybody who knows me knows. And I was riding, um, I think it was last week, actually. And I was thinking about this. um, And I was actually thinking how we all had our comfort tested a few weeks ago when Texas decided it wanted to kill all of us and try to freeze us out. And some of us went without water. Some of us went without power. Some of us were, you know, boiling snow, and trying to melt it on a pot just so we could get water and flush a toilet. And we had this notion of comfort challenged. And as I was riding my bike, I noticed um, all these trees, right? I talked with some friends before, or a few days after the frost, and it looked like everything was dying and it was all dead. And I was like, well, we're gonna have to replace those bushes because there's nothing there anymore, right? 
And when we get consumed with our own comfort and we lose our heart and our heart is wrapped up in that, that's what happens, right? Our heart gets frozen and there's no life there. There's nothing there. There's no life to have. But then I was riding my bike and I, I noticed, it was about a week after it, there was a, a tree that I was passing. I could see it from somebody's backyard as I was passing. There was a tree and the tree was beautiful and green and life was coming back into it. And all the vines and stuff that had tried to choke it out were brown and fraying and dying. And I thought that was an incredibly simple but beautiful picture of what Jesus has come to do for us, is to restore what was dead, bring it back to life, and shatter the chains that are on us. Shatter the things that choke us. Shatter the things that choke our heart. Shatter the things that choke our life. And so what I want to challenge us with is where is our comfort? Where are we placing our comfort? And I know a lot of times we look at this passage and we go, well, you know, he was rich, so, and he didn't want to give up his money. So obviously, I don't have a problem with money, right? Especially if you got that stimulus yesterday. I don't have a problem with money. That was just me. Uh, it was nice. I got paycheck and a stimulus yesterday. I was like, Lord, this is comfort. I'm telling you. Um, but when we're, it's not just, it's not just money, right? It's not just money. And a lot of times we comfort ourselves in other ways where we have a legitimate need because of the sin inside of us and because of the death, but we're trying to meet it illegitimately. We're trying to meet it outside of the one who can meet those needs. And so we try to fill it with whatever comfortable thing we have, whether it is money and you want to go buy a bunch of new things because you know, if I collect and I collect and I collect, then maybe that'll fill this void inside my heart. Or maybe it's social appearances. And you say, well, if I act this way and I dress like this and I do this and I say these things, then if people around me see that, then they'll love me and then that'll fill this void inside of my heart. But what happens is that fades away too, right? Maybe it's being seen a certain way. Maybe it's putting up a front saying, you know, if I can be this person for everyone, those people will love me and I'll, I'll get this filled, right? I'll get this filled. And that doesn't happen either. Or maybe it's physical intimacy. And you're saying, well, if I can just do this, if I can just be with this person or have this moment with this person, that'll, that'll make me feel real good inside and I'll feel, I'll feel real fulfilled. And that shatters way too. Or maybe it's overindulgence in a substance or anything that we do. We try to consume, 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 consume. And we just need something to fill us. But every time we try to look outside of Jesus, it crumbles, it shatters, and it dies. Because nothing can fill the void except for Jesus, right? Then you will have a treasure in heaven. And it goes on later to say, 
in verse 26 or 28 says, Peter began to look at him and said, look, we've left everything for you. We are literally in the most uncomfortable position. The disciples were sleeping on rocks with you, Jesus. We gave up our livelihoods. We haven't bathed in probably months. Like this is not comfortable, God. This is not comfortable. And he says, I, I know. And I'm not, I'm not saying that you don't have something. I'm not saying that. And Peter began to look at him and tell, look, we've left everything to follow you. And Jesus says, truly I tell you, there's no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mothers or fathers or children or fields for my sake or for the sake of the gospel who will not receive a hundred times more now at this time. And it goes on to say, and eternal life in the age to come. Church, the real life comes when we lay down the things that are gripping our heart. When we lay down the idol of living a comfortable life, the real life comes. Not just a lifestyle that we think will sustain us and keep us going until we do the next thing, until we do the next thing but actual, true, abundant, never-ending life from Jesus himself is what sustains us. And that's what he's saying here. He says, he says, go, give it away, lay it down, and then come and follow me. Bring me your heart, right? Instead, you're letting your heart be consumed by all this stuff and tangled, and it's just this mess and he says, look, bring it to me. We'll untangle it together, right? We'll get rid of all the stuff that's on it. And then I'm able to do work in that. I'm able to work. He asks us to lay down ourself, to surrender our heart to him. to give up on this idea of a lifestyle and instead receive his life. And it's, it's a big choice, right? We're talking about this series like encountering God. And this, this, this man, this rich young ruler, he had a big choice here. Unfortunately, we, we see his answer. But church, what I want to challenge us today is we make this choice to surrender our hearts to Jesus. And also in that, the hundred of many daily choices that come, right? I think sometimes we get disillusioned that, God, I made this one choice and everything should be fine. Right? I made this one choice. It's all going to be fine. It's all going to be laid out. It's all going to be perfect. Right? I'm not going to be moving around. I'm not going to have to navigate anything else, Lord. And he says, we're faced with daily choices to follow Christ. Where we choose whether it's our comfort or ourselves that we want to glorify or glorifying God. This comfort is choking us gripping our hearts and not allowing life to come in and flow. And so as we 
close out here, I want to ask us to evaluate where our treasure is. Evaluate where our, our treasure is. What's gripping your heart? Thanks for listening to this episode of the Renaissance Church Sermon Podcast. To contact us or find out more information, visit rin-church.org.